Today, we continue sharing with you the last six of the 13 things to avoid in part two of 13 Things Mentally Strong People Avoid. A few years ago, Amy Moran, a clinical psychologist and social worker, was inspired by people who showed resilience in front of seemingly insurmountable odds. This is what inspired her to write 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, a web post that instantly went viral and was picked up by the Forbes website. Later, she expanded on her article, which became a best-selling book. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. So this is part two and it's really exciting because there's a lot of golden nuggets here. There's a lot of good information. So thanks for tuning in and don't forget to share the podcast with those that you know would appreciate it. And don't forget to sign up, subscribe from wherever you're tuning in. So number eight. Yeah, we're going to start with number eight, but before we do, just want to remind uh, our audience, if you didn't listen to part one, go listen to part one first, because uh, as Liz just mentioned, we're at number eight now, and number one through seven were uh, talked about in at the first part of this uh, series about 13 things mentally strong people avoid. So we're at number eight, so we're going to start with that. Mentally strong people avoid making the same mistakes over and over. We all know the definition of insanity, and for those of you guys listening who don't, well, Einstein summed it up when he said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over while expecting different results. That's basically insanity. (laughs) And a mentally strong person accepts full responsibility for past behavior and is willing to learn from their mistakes. Research shows that the ability to be self-reflective in an accurate and productive way is one of the greatest strengths of spectacularly successful executives, entrepreneurs, and let's face it, just human beings. (laughs) So obviously, if you're in the habit of doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, you need to quit that. You need to drop that like a bad habit because guess what? It is a bad habit. (laughs) It's going to get you nowhere really, really fast. Yeah, and I think this this reminds me of what John Maxwell says, right? That mistakes basically are lessons learned and that it's really important uh, not only to reflect. I think we all do that at the end of the year, reflect on what we've accomplished and what mistakes we've done and this and that. But um, very successful people do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, it's not even to a weekly basis. For them, it's at the end of the day. Um, I've even seen uh, journals Journaling, for, yeah. Yeah, for entrepreneurs that are made that way so that at the end of the day and the week, they can look at what went wrong and what mistakes they made and, and ponder on that and see how they learn from that and are able to overcome so they don't dwell on those mistakes it doesn't stop them it's it's just a lesson learned there you go so you got to learn from your lessons and you got to tweak and change your approach if things didn't work out in the past don't do the same thing over expecting a different result yeah and i you know i know a lot of people that do that like a lot of people will complain about the same things 
And when you ask them if they have a plan or a strategy to change certain things in their lives that aren't working, they don't have a plan, but they, they just want to keep on focusing on things not working out for them and, um, and dwelling on that and repeating that. And, and then it's like they don't realize that they're in this cycle of uh, repeating those bad habits. So to change a bad habit, you have to replace it with a good habit, right? I remember that, yeah. Patterns are basically stuff that we do over and over again. And you can't expect, I mean, you know, it kind of became a, a running gag in, in um, between me and Sebastian because we'd hear, you know, in family gatherings and stuff, people would talk about, oh, this year is gonna be different. You know, we're gonna have, like, we're gonna have way more money and, and this is my year and this is gonna happen to me and this is gonna happen to me. And in reality, none of that is going to happen. None of that is going to change unless we change, unless we put ourselves out there. For example, if you're looking to find somebody and you stay in your house all the time, well, if you do that in the coming year, just stay in your house, you're going to have the same results. You won't have a mate, right? So it's about applying those different little changes that you say, okay, well, what, what do I want out of life? I, what can I do to change those habits, change those different things to have a different outcome? For things to change, you've got to change. Exactly. <laughs> For things to get better, you've got to get better. And, and <laughs> as Christians, we have, we have this tremendous edge because we have the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Spirit inhabiting within us. And He guides us and He helps us. And when we, we realize, hey, I have to change, we can ask for the help of God exactly. and he can help us to change. Yeah, the Holy Spirit will help you. He will guide you. If you if you don't know what you need to change, he will show you if you ask him. Remember that. So number 9 is mentally strong people avoid resenting other people's success. Yeah. So it takes strength of character to feel genuinely joy and excitement for other people's success right Sebastian absolutely mentally strong people have this ability they can rejoice over people's success even if the other people's success takes those particular people higher than themselves so that's that's something that first of all as Christians we need to develop because that comes from loving other people and Jesus said to love one another so that's a thing that uh, is extremely important so the mentally strong people, they don't become jealous or resentful when others succeed, although they may take close notes on what the person did well and apply it to their own life. They are willing to work hard for their own chances at success without relying on shortcuts. I wrote a blog titled uh, a while back, a couple of years ago maybe, Thou Shalt Not Covet Thy Fellow Entrepreneur's Success. In that blog, uh, I recall how I used to be in the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey when other people who did similar things as I did would have success. And I was coming from a scarcity mentality and I had to correct myself, not only as an entrepreneur, but as a, as a Christian, as a believer. That was just the wrong attitude to have. And, uh, and I used to have that kind of uh, um, green-eyed monster thing going when people would surpass me or have better results than I did at, at something that's similar. Uh, then I, then I, I, I'd smile at their face and be like, oh, great, that's awesome. And you're like cringing your teeth. That's way to go. I'm proud of you. Keep it up. That's awesome. <laughs> but I, all the while inside, you're like, you know, you're churning and you're not like genuinely happy for the person. I think people aren't, aren't stupid. They can feel that. So even if you try to look genuine, they can feel it. Liz, you had something you wanted to add? <laughs> yeah, uh, so I just wanted to say um, we we did do a blog post on that and any resources that we mention we'll be posting on the bottom of the show notes of this episode, episode 60. So you can go check that out at thrivingonpurpose.com for all the resources we, we put in our posts, our, our blog posts yeah. and our podcast episodes. But you know, I think that this makes me think of, you know, when you start your entrepreneurial journey, you realize how your mindset 
is not very good and that you have a very, very big scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody that started listening to Jim Rohn for the first time started questioning themselves and saying, huh, mm-hmm. okay, like even the way I perceive people that have success and money is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, it starts there. And I think a lot of people that stay at that mindset, which is basically the average mindset of most human beings on this planet, um, in America anyway, is that um, they have this scarcity about, you know, uh, they kind of belittle themselves and think that everybody else out there with money are jerks and that they did something, um, you know, wrong to to basically be illegal, to have that much money yeah. because in their minds, they just can't fathom that it's possible unless you're like super, super smart and have a bunch of MBAs, right? That's the the general way of thinking until you realize, okay, no, there is a success formula. There is something that these people did different. They changed their mindsets. They worked really hard on themselves and learned a lot about perfecting their skills and strengths and there's so many other things that they do to become successful. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up because even in the Christian realm, I should say maybe especially in the Christian realm, but even in the Christian realm, I've noticed that uh, kind of like uh, lack of rejoicing, bitterness towards those who are very successful, successful Christian authors, successful pastors who have mega churches are often the target Mm -hmm. of, of, of other pastors who will criticize them like really like mean in a mean way. And I'm not saying I agree with everything the, the, the mega church pastors teach, but what I'm saying is uh, they obviously found a formula for success that works for them. And uh, oftentimes it's from very, very good intentions and from their own walk with God, with God where God wanted to lead them. So basically what we find ourselves in when we do that, when we criticize those who are successful in, in Christianity because they make money, uh, we, we, uh, we're criticizing uh, the harvest of a fellow worker. And that's just plain wrong. And uh, recently, there was a lot of that going on. Just this week, there was a big feud uh, on uh, social media, of all things. Uh, see, let's always keep in mind that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible tells us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So when we accuse our brethren, especially publicly who are we most like jesus or the devil always think about that and and this week there was an ugly ugly thing going on on social media a pastor a big well-known pastor accused a a, a woman in ministry of uh, basically told her go home and it, it got really nasty uh and they were like it was re- it really divided the the believers in two camps and uh you know Stuff like that just shouldn't, like, it just makes us look silly for in the eyes of unbelievers when they go through uh, blogs or websites and, and they find that. They just smirk at Christianity because we're the joke and it's a punchline for them and they just laugh it off instead of, of them seeing how we love one another and all that. And I don't want to be mushy, mushy and all that. I know there's some false doctrines out there and there's some people engaging in stuff they, they shouldn't and that, yeah, it should sometimes even publicly be uh, criticized, but in other times, this, it just doesn't have its place. And another thing that happened this week is Kanye West released his album. He he apparently had a, a huge encounter with uh, God and Christ, and uh, and again, I he was he was the target of so many people trying to decide if his conversion was genuine. Let's let's be honest, we'll never know. I mean, you cannot know if another person's conversion is genuine. I mean, obviously, there's some good fruit that came from Kanye West's uh, behavior in the last few weeks. I mean, <laughs> the guy released a, a very, uh, apparently, from what I've heard from people who listen to it, I didn't listen to it yet, but apparently it's very good. The, the words are very good, and it's it seems to stem from a genuine heart for God. So, hey, guys, I don't know what this is all about. It's like, it's like in a way, we're Pharisees, and we don't want to see other people be successful in any let's even let's be honest i have a book here uh, called 12 steps for the recovering pharisee it was an excellent book because it made us see the hypocrisy of us as believers sometimes and, and in, in that uh, book there was one of the steps that spoke of uh, basically us uh, being happy 
and being prideful in being saved and you know deep down not really wanting anybody to be saved and i know that sounds really ugly to say but think about it very much isn't wasn't there a time in your life when you would look at someone act really really bad and you would criticize that person and if that person was in front of you the last thing you would have done is share the gospel with them because deep down you didn't want them to hear the gospel and get saved deep down you were kind of happy that they were going to end up in hell that's the ugliness of the human heart and uh, i don't know I, I don't know if i'm on a rabbit trail here liz but i think that some people need to hear this uh and and i used to be one of those people in a way sometimes i very i was i got very prideful and you know i was in the uh people i i knew a lot i i had a lot of knowledge but i didn't have a lot of love for people or enough love for people and and i really had to work that uh what we hear oftentimes that people won't care how much you know until they know mm -hmm. how much you care i was at that point in my life where i needed to start hey you know what it doesn't really matter how much i know how much i can teach people if i don't have genuine love for other human beings made in god's image I'm a poor excuse for a Christian. So I had to shift uh, to, to get to that point. And I know a lot of us are in that situation because evangelicals, we can be really harsh amongst ourselves. We're like, uh, we, we basically, uh, uh, we become accusers of the brethren amongst ourselves and it needs to stop. Yeah, and I would, I would add to that, um, that's very good what you mentioned about um, Christianity and the heart of, of some Christians. And I think it all stems from a scarcity mindset in, in reality and, um, you know, not understanding a lot of things that, you know, people don't understand and should have more love and more more of a caring heart. But I would also say as a, as a leader, um, whether you're a Christian leader or an entrepreneur, any type of leadership position, I think that a lot of people tend to compare themselves with others. And that's when this gets ugly and that's when they start to resent other people's success because you know there's always going to be somebody out there running faster than you or yeah. you know having more success than you and if it's just a competition to be the best of the best and always get your name in in the newspaper or get talked about on social media then you're after the wrong thing mm -hmm. you know truly successful people that have significance and are building for legacy are not building just to get recognition they're really building for the right reasons and it's you know um, a lot of them it's for a spiritual reason to accomplish what god is asking them to accomplish for others it's it could be a personal goal based on some something that they've lived through in their life that motivates them um, you know to accomplish this but they're really focused on what they're doing and they're not really focused on other people's successes around them it's not that they don't wish them well but you know this goes back to the story that uh, I think we talked about that in another podcast I don't remember but when John Maxwell said that uh, a friend of his came to him and said uh, I have some really, really great news and I really want to share this with you and you're the only person I can share this with that will be genuinely happy for me. Yeah. That says a lot, you know, for for you not to be able to talk to about your successes with, you know, your friends and family because you know they're going to be envious or jealous and they won't truly share in your joy. That's really, really sad. And I, and I think that, you know, as you move higher, um, in your leadership positions, you'll deal with a lot of that. And it's really harder to find true uh, friends that are really happy. And usually the best friends are those that have their own success going on and are focused on their own stuff. And, mm -hmm. and you know, so that's, that's the heart of John Maxwell. I mean, he's not looking to impress anybody. He just wants to impress God and do what God asks of him. So he was genuinely happy for his friend and really rejoicing with him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how we should all act as entrepreneurs, as Christian leaders, is really be truly happy for the work, the harvest that the other person has put in yeah. and, and yep. how God blessed that person. Yeah, and it reminds me of another story in the Gospels. Uh, I don't remember which Gospel or the exact passage, but I, that story always resonated with me so deeply. You know, when uh, Jesus was, was risen, he appeared to the disciples for 40 days after that. And uh, one of these uh, times, it was on the beach, and he was uh, walking along with uh, Peter. And that's when he asked him, do you love me? He asked him that three times. And uh, Peter was kind of 
you know, saddened by the fact that he asked him three times because he had denied him three times anyway. Um, but Peter uh, pointed to John, who was a little far off, and he points to John. He says, Lord, what about him? Because John was also a leader among the apostles, right? So he's like, you're asking me all that, but what about him? And then Jesus gave him the, an epic answer. He says, what does it matter to you what I require of him? You follow me. And that, I, I use that story all the time with uh, with my kids when we ask one to do something and they go like, what about her? Mm -hmm. Why are you asking me? I said, look, I'm going to tell you a story. And then I tell them <laughs> that story. And then I say, now I asked you to do it and I go do it. Uh, but I think it's a very powerful story. And uh, so let's remember, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, to rejoice with those who rejoice. And that goes along with what we're saying right now. So I'm going to finish this uh, point number nine uh, about resenting other people's success. Here's a few questions for you. Can people safely come to you sharing their biggest successes? And when they do, do you genuinely rejoice with them? And that's a question that I, I know that it sounds weird because, hey, as Christians, we should we should be like that, right? But, you know, I recommend that book, by the way. We'll probably put it in the resource. It's an old book. I don't know if it's still on uh, sold on, uh, on Amazon, but if we find it, we'll put it in the resources. The 12 Steps for the Recovering Pharisee because it points to the ugliness of uh, religious thinking because we Christians oftentimes fall into that trap of religious thinking. And the book really details how that religious thinking can make the ugly side of us come out. Yeah, and I think that, you know, God is uh, really good at reminding us and testing that point out in our hearts, um, you know, because oftentimes I'll see Christian leaders or entrepreneurs um, working on a project or doing a certain thing and then see somebody in their immediate circle doing the exact same thing and getting faster, quicker results and, yeah. uh, you know, and everybody's talking about them. And it's sometimes it's hard for the person that's putting so much effort, especially if they're in the grind of things, of putting things into place, to be able to be genuinely happy. But you have to find that place in your heart where you say, you know, my time will come. Yeah. You know, I can be happy with my brother in Christ. I can be happy for those that have success around me. My time will come. Yeah. And to just stick focused to what, what it is you're trying to, to accomplish. And it comes down to sometimes you win sometimes you learn yeah so when you see others win what can you learn from their victories so that's the time to take that's when the time comes to take notes what did they do that i'm not doing what did they try that i didn't try you know time to take notes anyway let's get let's get on with number 10 mentally strong people avoid giving up after failure so every failure is a chance to improve even the greatest entrepreneurs are willing to admit that they're Early efforts invariably brought many failures. Mentally strong people are willing to fail again and again if necessary. As long as the learning experience from every failure can bring them closer to their ultimate goals. So 85 to 90% of people give up after failure. That's the, the general thing. Yeah. So mentally strong people, those that you see that are successful, and generally they have a very, very strong sense of perseverance, determination, they have hunger, and all that drives them to keep on going no matter how many times they fall, they get back up because... Living with the regret and not going forward or living in the mediocrity that surrounds them, the life that they have right now, and I'm talking about, you know, somebody that's lost everything. Well, even if he looks at his four walls and he's lost every, everything, he'd rather per keep on pursuing and trying to get out of that situation than saying, okay, I quit and this is going to be my life and I'm just going to accept this. And you make a good point, Liz, when you say... Uh... The, the, the people who, we often hear this in, in, in personal development seminars or whatever, that, that um, if you didn't try, you're going to look back and say, oh, I wish I had tried. You're going to live with regret, right? Right. But we don't talk about a lot about those who don't persevere. So for, for example, those who try once or twice and then they give up, you're still going to live with regret if you didn't give it your all. 
Yeah. You're still going to be 20 years down the road looking back thinking, what would have happened if I had tried three, four, seven, eight, 25 times? Maybe I would have made it. Or maybe you'll have the conviction that you would have made it and that's even, it hurts you even more. Maybe you'll just know inside you that this would have worked if I would have not given up. Yeah, that's long-term regret. And I also um, have experienced short-term regret and I know other people have as well. Sometimes you, you'll you hear about something that somebody did and you have the same idea to do that, but you didn't fall through with that. And you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, and you had this hunch that you should have been doing that. And then you find out six months later, if you had done what you thought of in the first place, your situation would have changed completely or a certain thing would have exploded in your business. It would have been, you know, a really good thing for your business. So I think that um, it's really important to to look back and, and say to yourself, you know, look, look at the immediate and say to yourself, okay, if I don't implement this thing, if I don't do this thing, will it hinder my business? Am I willing to live with that? Because six months down the road, you know, am I going to regret this decision or not and be okay with the decision that, that you take? So there's that long-term regret and giving up totally and then, you know, going on with life wherever it leads you because basically if you're not in charge of your life, you're just going to follow in the steps of somebody else mm-hmm. and they're going to direct your path, right? Yeah. Uh, which brings us to number 11. Let's talk about number 11, Liz. Would you share it? Fear alone time. So... Mentally strong people avoid fearing alone time. This is really huge. And this is actually really funny because mm. I wouldn't say that it's because Sebastian and I are somewhat introverts, but we... Somewhat? <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys probably picked up on that. See, if you've been listening, listening to us for a while, you probably, probably know it's a little bit more than somewhat, but that's yeah. okay. So... Yeah, that's so that's one thing that we've never really had a hard time with. We <laughs> we both really treasure <laughs> spending time alone doing our own thing and we also like, you know, coming together and do introverted things together. But, you know, sometimes we all need that downtime to reflect and and plan and um learn different ways to be productive and um you know, most importantly mentally strong people don't depend on others to show up, shore up their happiness. So, um, you know, a lot of people out there, I, I would say most extroverted people are like this. They have a hard time stopping and just reflecting and planning. They kind of just always move at a fast speed, thinking they're productive and going round and round. And um, I would say this is the intro, the in introverts advantage to this is that we tend to stop sometimes over and over analyze and paralyze but um, when you can get over that and you're actually productive and you're able to plan and reflect you have a a more of an advantage because you actually are going on the path that you should be going and here's the thing uh, it's kind of funny the extrovert introvert the dichotomy i guess you could call it Uh, extroverts will will probably like meet a speaker after a gig and, and go like Oh, you're so exciting. This was such a great message. I'm so psyched. And oh, I wish I could spend a day with you. But what they don't realize is that these very successful entrepreneurs who, who we see in the public eye, like give a, I don't know, a keynote, an hour long keynote that's super dynamic. We, if we spent a whole day with them, we'd probably be bored out of our minds. I mean, because oftentimes 85% of what they do is the nitty gritty, boring stuff. And we only see the 15% that's exciting. But their whole daily method of operation is, is you know, answering emails, making phone calls, uh, meeting uh, people for, for, for meetings or meetups or whatever, uh, masterminding, reading, uh, journaling, stuff that if you were spending the, a day with them, you'd be like, oh, well, this is really not what I thought it would be. Because we... <laughs> cause we Oh, he's not as fun as it. It kind of reminds me of Harrison Ford. Uh, Harrison Ford, the actor, on the big screen, he is this cocky. Like, let's talk about like Han Solo or Indiana Jones, right? These two iconic characters that he played so well. They're cocky, arrogant, confident. Uh, they live an exciting life, and yet Witty. when you when you see Harrison Ford interviewed, any go to any interview that Harrison Ford has given. Throughout his life, the guy is a bore. And it's not, I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, I love Harrison Ford. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. 
but in an interview, he's boring. And I think he knows it. He doesn't mind it. I mean, that's just the way he is. He doesn't care if the... the, the and all the hosts I've seen interview Harrison Ford are like taken aback. They're like, this isn't... Like, they're going to say comments like, well, th this isn't going the way I thought it would go. Or, oh, I, I, I didn't think you were like that. <laughs> and, and then Harrison Ford just has to, well, yeah, I, I am like that. And he's super <laughs> like, he doesn't care. It's just, just the way he is, right? But it's kind of funny because it's the same thing, right? Uh, who we are when we're on stage trying to give a dynamic presentation and who we are as entrepreneurs doing the nitty-gritty, what needs to get done every day, every day, every day, two completely different things. I mean, I know I, I, I would be, like anybody who would spend a day with me would be so bored. They'd be like, so, so will we go out now? Can we go out now? You want to you go have a coffee? No, I'm busy. can have coffee here. I'm making it here. <laughs> And I'd be on my computer crunching stuff, like whether writing or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, man, this is what you do? I'd be like, 85% of the time, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, our brains work very differently, but we need that time to, you know, reflect and really think about different things. And sometimes, you know, it's journaling, like you said, sometimes it's reading. And, um, and that just feels good to us. Like we call it like resourcing ourselves, you yeah. know. Sometimes it's listening to, to preachers, uh, different sermons, uh, different teachings, Bible teachings, and that really, we really love doing that. And a lot of people uh, would not find that interesting because the kind of content we listen to would bore them because it's not dynamic enough, you know, it's, uh, it's a more in-depth study, if you will. So all this to say... Um, mentally strong people do not fear alone time. They always know what they're going to do. They're never bored. They always are doing something because they've learned to, you know, be happy in their surroundings of whatever's in their home, whatever they're used to doing. They're, they're actively busy, you know, with their brains and their intellect and, and doing different things. So they're not needing that outside excitement or other people to entertain them or, uh, noise or action-oriented stuff, you know, um, you know, for an extroverted person, reading a book for the with, you know, with a glass of wine, for example, or a coffee in the evening would bore them to death. They'd be like, oh my gosh, like I have to get out of this house and I have to find somebody to talk to. But an introvert will actually love doing that, you know. So, but, but that that's a strength. But extroverts have other strengths. They they they're gonna shine more easily in public, uh, networking. They're gonna have like that great success at that. And for the introvert, it's a lot more uh, demanding of them. And you know what that that reminds me. I, I talk about introvert extrovert, but uh, John Maxwell, which he he mentioned many times that he was the baby of the family and he was the jokester as he was young. He was a natural extrovert. And, and exactly, and he loved talking to people and he loved people and he cared for people and he was very extroverted and he had to learn this he he really did adapt this mm -hmm. and that's one of his strengths is to yeah. take that time in the morning and reflect and and you know pick, take out quotes of what he's reading and spend time with god and do some introverted things and he's the one that i heard the first time talking about reflecting at the end of his day how his day went yeah. and even to the point where he was trying to be so productive in his day that he would actually look at his day and say, okay, where did I actually lose time today? Oh, it was, okay, when I did this, I did that. Okay, so what? how can I change that so that I actually save 15 minutes? There like it's go. to that point. It's to that point. I remember the glasses story. That was amazing, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, just so short, he, short, yeah, short story. He, he, he realized that he was spending too much time in a day looking for his glasses. So what he ended up doing is going to an eye doctor and saying, I, I, I want, what is it, five pairs of that same yeah. type of prescription? So that he would have a pair in like every, every room, room he works in to not look for his glasses. He would just keep a pair there so yeah, so <laughs> to save the time he looked for his glasses. That's how those who, who really see this. Anyway, we're kind of like get, veering off in the wrong direction because <laughs> this is about alone time and loving your alone time. And I want to finish this point by saying that leadership, never forget that leadership begins with leading yourself. And that implies that you will have a lot of alone time. And the greatest leader in history is our Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel accounts tell us of the source of Jesus' strength and power. For example, we read in, in Matthew 14, 23, After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there 
alone. And likewise, in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we read, In the early morning, while it was still dark, so see, Jesus started this whole thing about miracle mornings. <laughs> that was Jesus who began that. We, we just forgot about it. But while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place, and he was praying there. Jesus didn't fear a long time. Actually, he probably relished it, and it was the source of his strength. Right. And Miles Monroe did once uh, commented on that. It says, the disciples kind of caught on on the source of Jesus' power when they saw him praying for three hours, and then meeting someone possessed, and just five seconds, demons out. Seeing someone who's ill or blind, boom, one minute, he's healed. It's like, okay, let's, let, let's see this. Let's see if I can understand it. Three hours praying, one minute, making the blind man well. Oh, so they kind of caught on of the importance of that alone time. And it should be something that we Christians catch on as well. That brings us to number 12. So mentally strong people avoid feeling the world owes them anything. Well, that's big. So particularly in the current economy, executives and employees at every level are gaining the realization that the world does not owe them a salary, a benefits package, and a comfortable life, regardless of their preparation and schooling. So mentally strong people enter the world prepared to work and succeed on their merits at every stage of the game. So they know that they're not in this this game to succeed, to be dependent on what the government has to give them. Mm -hmm. They're not, and it's funny because I hear so many conversations and I have, you know, sometimes people sending me stuff in my messenger and look at what's happening with the economy and look at what's happening with, you know, what, what happened in this debate and what, you know, is going on with this and that. And, um, and it affects them to a point where it's so negative and it's like they won't sleep at night because, you know, uh, a politician is making this decision and doing mm -hmm. this and doing that. And, you know, I know it's important to care about these things to a certain degree, but I've noticed that most entrepreneurs and successful people make their own success, have their own money, and they, they try to be independent of that so that they can provide for their families and not be dependent on the government for health care for insurance, for this, that. And this is such a great point you're bringing up. Uh, all the most successful entrepreneurs that I've listened, interviewed, and seen on interviews, they never talk politics. You know why? Because to them, it's irrelevant to their success. Who's in charge? What, power, what, what party's in charge? Who's, who's the president? Who, that doesn't bother them because they know that their success does not depend on that. They know that their success only depends on them showing up every day and doing what they have to do consistently every day to the best of their ability. And you know, when we add Christianity to the mix, we're supposed to care more about what God thinks about what we're doing and His uh, providence, you know, of how He's going to provide for our needs. So both were combined as a Christian leader, as an, an, an entrepreneur, you should be focused on you know, doing what God's asking you to do, whether it's, you know, adding value through your business, through your services that you offer, uh, through the, you know, selling of your products, whatever it is that, you know, you feel that you're doing God's will in your life and, and talking to others about him and being that light for other people that are in darkness to see, that's your main focus. And you know that God's going to provide for your every need. So, you shouldn't be so focused on thinking that whatever the government decides is going to really, you know, affect your life. And it's funny because the point number 12 says that the mentally strong people avoid feeling that the world owes them anything, that the world owes them anything. And as Christians, as believers, we're, we're, said, we're told that we're not of this world. We were taken out of this world. We are from a different kingdom right. and therefore dependent on a completely different economy, God's economy. So that's something always to keep in mind as believers and as Christian entrepreneurs, that we march to the beat of a different drummer. Exactly. And if you want to get into the gritty of things, honestly, a lot of the governments are so corrupt and they're, they're ruled by, um, you know, by evil men. Let's just put it that way. So hidden, one, hidden in the background, 
you know, I, I don't want to go all conspiracy theory on you guys, but uh, yeah, we, we know that the, the world system, the present world system is run. We know who runs it. And we're supposed to take back territory from that guy. And uh, it, it, our, our uh, kingdom is in conflict with this present world kingdom. Exactly. So, of course, you shouldn't feel that the world owes you anything. It's like saying, I, basically like expecting Satan to give you uh, something. Mm-hmm. That, that makes no sense for the believer. And we're not like criticizing, you know, the presidents that are in place or prime minister that are in place. Because well, maybe, maybe some of them, but we won't because, mention any names. We won't mention names, Lizzie. No, because it goes... <laughs> no, but I, I know by studying the fact it goes... They're basically puppets. They're not yeah. the ones making the decisions. So, um, you know, they're, a lot of them are controlled and they have to do a certain thing. And it just makes sense when you read Revelation, when you read the Bible, mm-hmm. you understand that it's the devil's turf. It's his territory. Yeah. So where does that leave us Christians? Well, basically, you have to use God's power and apply... Um, what you know of God to be true. And that's what I like about entrepreneurship is that it gives you that liberty to work with God as your CEO. Yes. And when you think of it that way, then um, it doesn't, you're not as bothered by what's going on. And, and, you know, you understand that God's got your back and he's going to provide for your family. And all of that doesn't matter to you. And actually, we th- I would take it even a step further. As kingdom entrepreneurs, as people who have the kingdom of God within them and who are trying to take back territory, point number 12 says that the mentally strong people avoid feeling like the world owes them anything. But see, the, 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 the biblical entrepreneur, the Christian entrepreneur, the kingdom entrepreneur, that type of entrepreneur must feel the opposite. They must feel like I owe the world something. In other words, you want to make your light shine so bright that it's going to make a difference in this world. You must feel like you have to um, not be employed by an employer, but that you have to be deployed by God to make a huge difference in this world. So yes, you can change the world. Uh, It can happen one person at a time. It can happen one minute of every day at a time. But you do have that power within you. Don't forget who rules within you. Then His power is infinite. It's like when God um, called John Maxwell to go speak in the secular world. I mean, he became really, really good at what he did. And, and like I've heard so many interviews with him, too. And he said, you know, when I when I left the church ministry, it was something I knew for many, many, many years. I had built a career for I think it was 25 years before I decided to move into the um, secular space. So I had to relearn everything. Yeah. It's not like he could transfer all his knowledge to the secular world. He the cor- couldn't. The corporate world, yeah. So he had to relearn how to to function for three years. He had to relearn everything and interview successful business entrepreneurs and people in leadership that were making it big. And, and learn the lingo. Exactly. Because it was, it's not like he could show up at a corporate uh you know, a big corporate meet, meeting where he was the speaker and start quoting the Bible. Exactly. He couldn't do that anymore. He had to use a different approach. Uh, yes, indirectly, he would quote the Bible. And, and then when, he, when I say indirectly, he would basically adapt a text to his verbiage, what he would use as words. So uh, the principles are still biblical. The teachings are still biblical. In other words, they don't contradict the Word of God. They, they actually apply the Word of God. But it was something that he had to learn how to adapt. How do I do this now? I'm not a pastor anymore. I don't teach. You know, in a church, when you quote the Bible, you're applauded. In a corporate meeting, if you were to quote the Bible, they would never invite you to speak again, probably. You know? That doesn't mean you you can't use mm -hmm. uh, words that are going to comply with the scriptures, but it, it means you have to be smart at how you go about it. Yeah, so all of his content is based, a lot of it is based on the leadership in the Bible, but it's not said that way. It's said differently so that um, it applies to a secular world. But regardless, the point is that he became so good at leadership in the secular world that he became so successful and was able to teach a lot of people that weren't uh, Christians and bring them to God because of his light, because of um, though who he was and people could feel those that were meant to get saved could feel that there was something different about John and that's why you know most of the time when you go to a John Maxwell team event or other areas um, he's he you know if people ask him he's not afraid to share about his faith and, and he says I'm a person of faith and a lot of conversions have happened through 
through his uh, through who he is and and where God's led him in yeah. the business circles and and so I want you to just think of how um, that's possible for you as well when you have this mindset where um, you believe that you can become successful to be able to impact you know when we talk about taking away from the devil's territory that's what we mean exactly when you become really successful and really good at what you do and i and i don't i'm not talking millions of dollars i'm talking really great at the skill the gifting that god has given you then that will open doors in different realms different places and you can have a very big impact and uh, possibly even bring people to, to Christ and make a big positive difference in this uh, world where we live in that we know, like we say, is controlled a lot by the evil one. So you can have a very big impact if you choose to, to do so. Absolutely. And it's always a thrill to take back territory from the enemy. It's always fun. Which brings us to number 13, the final thing that mentally strong people avoid. Mentally strong people avoid expecting immediate results. Whether it's a workout plan, a nutritional regimen, or starting a business, mentally strong people are in it for the long haul. They know better than to expect immediate results. They apply their energy and time in measured doses, and they celebrate each milestone and increment of success on the way. They have what we call staying power staying power and they understand that genuine change takes time yeah so they have the marathon mentality and not the sprint exactly yeah. so it they know that you know they just have to be consistent even if they see no results day in day out that eventually they have this strong belief that eventually the compound effect will happen and they'll have the result that they're looking for. And even if they don't, they just change their strategy along the way, tweak some things, change some things. And I've heard so many stories of even people having to change completely, you know, mm -hmm. trying, going in one direction and going, oh, wow, okay, this is not working, but I'm not going to keep on hammering this nail. Change you know, completely their direction and then have that success yeah, after they, implementing it for another three, four years. So they basically take their, their plan that really didn't work. They take it to the backyard, dig a hole, and bury it. And then they say, <laughs> okay, let's go create a new plan. Uh, how did um, Paul Martin say that? I, I think he said they, they shoot it in the head, they, sh they shove it in the hole, and they bury it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's Italian, right? So that was be, that would be an Italian method. I, 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 don't, quote, don't quote me on that. I don't want him to go after me. <laughs> it was funny anyway. Yeah, it was really funny. So, so guys, look, th this is, is the 13th point. And yeah, remember that it's, it's, um, it's a crockpot. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it's not a um, pressure cooker. Okay? It's not going to happen. You're not going to go like, presto. You know, I've done it. You understand that everything you're going to do is uphill all the way and everything worthwhile, everything worth doing is uphill. So we reached the conclusion of this wonderful two-part series. We had fun uh, doing this. I know Liz lit up. Liz loves this kind of stuff uh, because she's all about mindset. I, I, I love mindset too, but not as much as my wife. My wife really gets lit up when it's about mindset. So after hearing so much about mentally strong people, what is your conclusion about yourself and, and you can share it with us if you want but it's probably going to appear in the comments so maybe you just want to think that through for yourself and maybe journal it do you have mental strength that's another question you can have ask yourself you know you've listened to the 13 points over two podcasts do you have mental strength and are there elements on this list that you need to uh, address uh, obviously as i was going through the list in the last couple weeks I know there's stuff I need to address. I mean, nobody's perfect on all 13 points. We all have our weak points, our strong points. But uh, th these are, and, and you know, these are the things, these are, this is not the stuff that, oh, oh, I'm going to work on my strengths. I'm really good at alone time, so I'm just going to work on my strengths. This doesn't apply because it applies to your character. So when it's about character, it, it's not weaknesses you can ignore. It's weaknesses you need to address. So I just wanted to mention that as we uh, conclude. Yeah, and uh, you know, I want to add to this. I've seen many people, um, and I've talked many to many many people um, that are entrepreneurs that start their own home business, 
um, you know, through the spheres of life and some have great ideas to do all kinds of things. And, you know, um, I think, you know, people with an entrepreneurial spirit have, they get lit up and they have these ideas and they want to do certain things, but a lot of people get discouraged and it's like there's this myth in their head that because they've seen other people do it, that they think that it's going to be easy and it won't take that much hard work and consistency. And I think that's where a lot of people trip up and, uh, and you know, give up and stuff. And, and I think that's really sad because a lot of these people have a lot to offer. And so I want you to think about that, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, opening your own bakery, whether it's, you know, starting your own church, whatever it may be. Uh, that you you decide to to start, you're going to have to go uphill and you're going to have a a learning process. And it makes me laugh because, you know, in the home, like in the home business space and network marketing, direct sales, any sales, it's really funny how, um, you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, it took me a good three, four years. And so people are like, well, it won't take me three, four years to get there because I'm going to learn whatever he did really fast and it's going to take me six months. And in reality, it makes me laugh now knowing what I know because in the three, four years, it wasn't about skill that much. It was mindset and you can't speed up mindset. You can't speed it up. <laughs> so, and it's a process to to basically uh, go over the, those hurdles because we all have our our. Uh, mindset issues exactly. that are stopping us from our progress, right? They're, they're hindering us and, and it, we need to overcome them. And that doesn't happen fast. Exactly. And it all depends on how you were raised, uh, how much brainwashing was done. You know, either you went through university, through schooling, you had a certain uh, mindset about, about life, about certain things. You have to reframe that, rework that. And some people are more adaptable and they, they, you know, swim with knowledge like they, they really are good at listening and applying and listening and applying. And for others, it's harder. It's more of a hard process. The personal growth journey is harder. So, you know, you can't just say, um, you know, I'm going to speed up the process because I'm better than a certain person. I'll learn it faster. I'll pay more courses. It's really an entrepreneurial journey. And it's it reminds me of faith as well. Like when yeah. the spiritual journey is the same. You know, sometimes you look at your life and you're like, okay, God was trying to talk to me about this for the last five years. Like, why the heck did I, did I not understand this point? If I had understood that three years ago, my life would be different. Yeah. You know, sometimes you look at certain things that you're like, okay, I, I just didn't see it. I God was trying to get my attention and I didn't see this certain thing, you know. So I think it's important to, to embrace the, the journey and to be open and to, to work on it consistently and accept that it's, it will take time and it's just part of the process. Amen to that. So please share this podcast um, on social media and don't forget to sign up, subscribe from wherever you are. You can also subscribe to our podcast at thrivingonpurpose.com. And we'll send you our episode every week in your inbox. And if our if our podcast has blessed you in any way, leave us a review. We love reading your reviews. And guess what? They actually help us. So if you want to help back, give back, that's the best way to do it. Exactly. So be blessed. And thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 